Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a at a point right now where they're I think clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history, uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sun Belt these days. bring everybody in for tonight's show want to recap the Sunbelt Conference championship media availability with first Appalachian State's Sean Clark followed by Billy Napier talking about their teams and what it's like for them to be back in this Sunbelt Conference championship game. And how big is it and how much does it mean to you and your kids to get back to the championship game after missing out last year? It's big. You know, it's, this is the, the third time it's been played, and it's been us in Louisiana the whole time. And I think it's big. I mean, anytime you can have a chance to play for championships, and that's what we sell in our programs, get a world-class degree and play for championships. I think it's big for recruiting. It's, it's big for us going on the big stage of ESPN. And I think it's, it's great for our whole university as a whole. Coach, your team's given up only 31 points in the last four games combined. Was there a switch that flipped or was it something you, there were some changes somewhere along the line or did you guys just start doing things better? Well, I think if you look at our whole body of work on defense, if you take out one game from the season, we played at a high level all year long. And uh, after the Louisiana game, we came back and you know, regrouped and we didn't coach well that game. We didn't play well that game. And we went back to keeping things a little bit more simpler. And I don't think you can ever call the – you have to be able to call a sound defense that your guys can execute. Probably the, the biggest thing we've done, we're really rallying to the football. We're getting 11 hats for the ball, and we're playing fast right now. I think it's, if you turn the tape on from the last four or five games, I think our team speed has really shown. That has given us a chance to be successful. Coaches trying to always find a way to motivate their teams, but do you really need to, to use that because you can just pop that tape on? No, our players know that – that we didn't play well. Our coaches know we didn't coach well. Um, I always say that, you know, coaches lose games and players win games. And, um, but again, it's, we're, we're treating this like any other game. And it's, it's, it is a championship game, but it's about being one to know. And we talk about that here all the time. It's been one to know, and we'll keep a normal schedule. Today's an off day for us. We'll come back, have two tough practices, a walkthrough on Thursday, and we'll travel Friday. You've been at App for a while in different roles. And for this program to have won 
10 games, five of the last seven seasons. What do you kind of see as the reason for that kind of sustained success through different coaches? Well, I think it goes back to tradition. I think if you look at our, our body of work for the last 30 years, we have a lot of tradition. We've won a lot of championships. And our kids know how to prepare. And I think the coaching part of us being – we've had some great football coaches here, but more importantly, we've had some great football players and I think that's that's part of it. But to win that many games, I think it speaks volumes for the support you have from your administration. And I think Chancellor Everts and Doug Gill, our athletic director, has give, have, they've given us everything we have to have to be successful. Now we have to go out and put it on the field and put a great product on the football field. You've obviously gone up against uh, Coach Napier over at uh, Louisiana before. What are kind of the, the hallmarks of, of his program and what he's been able to do there? Well, I, a lot of credit goes to Coach and his staff. And if you Look at from the first year he was here to now, it's night and day. I think he's established uh, what he wants done with his his program. I think the biggest thing is is their toughness. I mean, they have really gotten better in the in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. Um, their team speed on the outside it really creates some mismatches for you. Um, but just really to, to watch him evolve. I was an assistant coach when he was the head coach there, and, and to where they are now compared to where they were four years ago, it's, it's a totally different program. And, and he's going to be successful wherever he goes, and we wish him the best of luck. How much has Louisiana changed and evolved and improved since you saw them last? Well, I think they're always improving. I think the, the one great sign of a, a great program is they're not trying to reinvent the wheel every single week. You know, they give you different shifts and motions and – a different something on defense, but for the, their core is never, it's not going to change. And, um, and they're executing at a high level and they have all year long. I mean, you go back to the, we watched, went back to the Texas game and, and watched the Monroe game and you know, they, got, they got great players. And I think that's a, a credit to him and how he's recruited there. But um, that's probably is for us. And we're, we're not going to change of what we do. We have a couple of run plays, a couple of pass concepts, and we try to execute at a high level and, and I think they're doing the same thing at Louisiana. Chase Bryce, has he exceeded your expectations this year, or is this what you envisioned when you, when you brought him in? You know, that's what we envisioned. And again, we, when we recruited Chase from Duke, uh, that's when during the pandemic and he was not allowed on campus. So uh, our, our in-home visit was just like this right here with his parents. And, and talking to people on Duke staff, they, they spoke highly of him, people we trusted in, in, inside the program. And when he came here, just, just his, his leadership, his – is willing to learn, learn our learn our offense, learn our culture, uh, learn our system. He he really dove into the playbook, and from you know we after week two or three, we opened the whole playbook up to him, and and just the, the people they they gravitate to him. Our players do, and he's a team first guy. I think that makes that, you have to have that as a quarterback at any level, I believe, and it's about the team first. And he'd rather give up his individual stats for. A, a team victory any day. Back to Napier for a second, kind of on the flip side for you guys and your defense, how will it be impacted by, you know, kind of his play calling tendencies and, and his uh, tendency for, for especially aggressiveness on fourth downs? To answer your question, I mean, we're, we're going to play our defense, so we can't reinvent the wheel and, and, uh, he's kind of like uh, us here at Appalachian State. That they give you four downs for a reason, so you might as well use them. And I think with the analytics of college football now today, it's it's about scoring touchdowns and not field goals. And um, that's something that we look into on a weekly basis of you know what's our strengths, what's the defense's weaknesses to to go for it on fourth down. But you know it's he's going he's going to run what he runs, and he that's why he's one of the best play callers in college football is because. They do it better than everybody else, and they have the they have the uh, players to do that, and as they execute. And you watch your tape; there's not many missed assignments or or bad play calling. It's about execution. Championship week is here. We're extremely proud of our uh, football team, 
our players, our staff, our entire organization. You know, you start back in January um, working hard uh, in this process, um, you know, to position yourself and be relevant when you get to the end of the season, uh, to win your division, uh, to, you know, create an opportunity to play for a championship. And certainly we've done that. And I think that is, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people that have contributed to that. Uh, and I'm proud to be associated with this group. Um, so, you know, I think that um, we have a tremendous amount of respect uh, for Appalachian State, a very formidable opponent, one that we're very familiar with, and certainly have a ton of respect for how they play football. You know, their identity on offense, defense, and special teams, uh, the effort, the toughness, you know, really a lot of respect, uh, you know, for how they go about their business. So uh, this would be a great challenge and one that we're looking forward to. Why was coaching in the championship game as important to you as it obviously is, even in a time of transition? And have you made a decision yet regarding uh, the bowl? No, I I think, uh, you know, the bowl game will be to be determined. I mean, I I really, you know, there was no question um, regarding coaching in the conference championship game. I mean, that was non-negotiable. You know, and I I think that it's also – uh, important for everyone to realize the commitment uh, that we've made to the players here and the staff here uh, to really kind of take a singular focus on trying to do the best job we can do for this team, you know, uh, in our preparation this week. Um, so, you know, there's no, qu- you know, there's never, never a doubt that we were going to coach in the game. Uh, and certainly even now, you know, we tried to get the announcement out of the way yesterday. Uh, but we'll have a total focus this week on the conference championship game. And then when we're done here, Saturday, we'll move forward and, you know, start start working on the challenges that are ahead of us. There is obviously a game to play uh, this week. Um, you have already played App State once. What do you take away from that game? And, and what are the challenges of playing somebody twice in one year? Yeah, I do. You know, it's, um, at twice in one year, I think it's seven times in four years or something like that. So. You know, I think that the key here is that we understand that nothing happened and that game is going to affect this one. You know, uh, we're going to get we're going to have to go earn the right to win uh, with what we do and how we play on Saturday. Um, you know, our our detail, our urgency, uh, our ability to execute uh, the discipline in which we play. Uh, and certainly we've got to produce and we've got to execute at a high level. So I think um, we understand um, the challenge that comes with playing against an Appalachian State team, and we respect that. And um, I think that's a good thing um, because our team will know what's required throughout the week. You know, I think the big thing here is that we um, don't get too consumed with Saturday and we focus on what we need to do each day, right? I think we've got to be very intentional about uh, the approach we take in the meetings and the walkthrough. We've got to be very deliberate at practice, Um and I think that we've got to live life with self-discipline this week and, and try to position ourselves so we can play uh, with confidence. I think preparation, uh, really good preparation, creates confidence, and uh, that's what that's where we're going to spend our time. Billy, how much, if any, has, has App State uh, changed since you played them the last time, especially on defense? Uh, I do think there are some, some minor you know, some minor adjustments, if that makes sense. Um, I think that's a good question. One thing about Appalachian State is they know who they are, right? I think um, they've been very consistent in performance. 
not only this year, but just as a whole, right? And I think their head coaching coordinators have a significant experience there, right? They've got a blueprint. It works. Um, so I don't think they're too far off from what they've always done. You know, um, they pride themselves on great execution. You know, they're really fundamentally sound. Uh, they play with effort. They've got great team speed on defense. Uh, and they try to position the players to have success. So I see a few tweaks here and there, but for the most part, I think they know who they are more about execution to them than, you know, maybe making wholesale changes each week um, or, you know, as the season goes. Well, we heard the coaches speak about the Sunbelt Conference championship game. Now it's our turn for our take. Welcome in to the Funbelt podcast. Dusty Thibodeau from Walkerport, Jeremy Harper from Hal Razor, Ben Moore from Panther Talk. And then, of course, the team squaring off got to be represented as well. We have Tyler from Tapped In Sports, as well as Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns. Welcome in, everybody. Thanks, Dusty. Appreciate it, man. So let's start with the challenger, if we should say. Appalachian State makes the return trip to Cajun Field this weekend. It did not go very well at all during the regular season. And I know everyone's going to try to make a lot to do about, oh, well, the Cajuns won in the regular season. They're a shoe-in to win this this championship game. The coaches themselves said that both teams have, have really matured and changed a lot from that time. What's your take there, Tyler, on what we can expect and, and kind of what we learned, if anything, from that game? Well, that was a game where App State just absolutely got humbled from the onset of that game. Um, you know, it was one of those where it seemed like anything that could go wrong went wrong. And, uh, you know, you, you find yourself down 20 to 3, I think it was, to a team like Louisiana, and it's going to be hard to come back from that. Um, you know, and that defense was able to – pin its ears back and just come after Chase Bryce at will. Um, you know, he, he got happy feet there. And uh, you know, anytime you got four turnovers in a football game, it's going to be hard to win it. So, uh, you know, I think it was a good wake-up call for App State. I think since then we have played really balanced football. Um, I mean, you, you saw us knock off Coastal at home in a game that really was worse than the score indicated, I thought, um, you know, and then we've, we put the beat down on some teams. Now there's been times where we still haven't looked, we hadn't put a full game together. I don't think yet we've played good halves of football, um, but it is absolutely going to take our best full game against uh, Louisiana this weekend. So, well, you know, you, you did see that, that it, it does look like, the Mountaineers sort of <clears throat> shook off or put on their business suits after that game with the Cajuns and just start wrecking through the league. Jay, I have a question for you. A aside from that crippling beating that you delivered to the Mountaineers and then a, a sort of a similar be beating that you delivered to Liberty later on, this team, this Cajuns team seems to be known for just sort of doing the bare minimum to win including a uh, like a one-score win against Arkansas State. I got to wit witness that in person. What is with these Cajuns? Are they, are they just sort of rope-a-doping us? Or, or is there something missing in, in the ingredients that, that the Mountaineers can exploit? Well, first of all, if you expected 
the Arkansas State-Louisiana game to be a blowout, then you haven't paid any attention to the history between the two teams. We knew that that was going to be a one-possession game. Listen, now, Jay, I've seen that Red Wolves play all, all season long. I, but, it's, it's great. but, dude, it's the Red Wolves and the Cajuns. Come on, you true. know. You know what it's going to be about. That's true. That's it, true. It did. Now, now, I will say this. A 20-play, 90-yard drive that takes 10 and a half minutes off the clock to end the game. I don't care what the score was. That was pretty dominating right there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but you're right. You know, I think that there are some games that we've been better than others when we've played. I've never been a style points guy. I mean, I, I, I went through a, a five-year period where this program was 945 and one. So I, I do not complain when the Cajuns win. Um, they Liberty and, and Arkansas State were interesting, but Liberty and Arkansas State, the Cajuns just in those two games were plus nine in turnovers, uh, plus eight, I'm sorry. So, you know, turnover margin is still the most important statistic in college football. And that hasn't changed regardless of how the game itself may have changed. That statistic is still the biggest one. The impressive thing about when, when the Cajuns played App State, and I realize Cameron Peoples didn't play that night, okay, but Nate Noel still led this league in rushing, and App State had 78 net yards rushing in the game. If you're going to stop App State from running the football, you're going to have a very good chance to beat them. And, and although Bryce is a very good quarterback, Look, I've said it all year long. People talk about, well, Levi did this or Levi didn't do that. Oh, you got a three-headed monster running back. Let me tell you something. Cajuns have a very good defense. And there is no part of that defense that I look at and I say, well, this part of our defense isn't very good. You know, we had guys in the secondary who covered their receivers. We had guys up front that kept them from running the football. And... And, and, and Bryce, as a result, you know, has, what, 133 yards passing? They barely had 200 yards of offense. And it's because this team went out and played their best defensive game of the year. Now, they've been good defensively darn near every game this season. All you have to do is, is go back, and they've, they've allowed 30 points once all season long. And that was the thing that was impressive to me. No, App didn't play very well. And, and there was no way any of us expected the score to be what it was. But am I surprised the Cajuns won the game? Not really. Um, I, I think that, that last year when they were able to get out of Boone with a win, I think they showed themselves something. And I think they were a confident bunch when App State came in. They're going to be a confident bunch again Saturday. But if anybody thinks it's going to be a 41 to 14 game, I got news for you that ain't going to happen. Tyler, with all that said, though, how do you see the Cajuns being able to beat Appalachian State? And then the flip side of that, Jay, afterwards is, is how do you see the Cajuns? Like, wh what would have to go wrong for the Cajuns to lose this game? Well, I think, you know, first of all, when you get on the wrong side of the turnover margin, you have a chance to lose the football game. That's the first thing. 
Okay, Turn, turnover margin is still going to be big. Let's but let's suppose let's suppose neither team turns it over. I think if the Cajuns are going to win the football game, they've got to do the same thing they did last time. You've got to slow down the running game. I don't care how good Chase Bryce is, and he's good. And I think as far as a quarterback that can sling it all over the ballpark, he's better than the guy that they had the last four years in that regard. But if they can't run the football, they're going to have a hell of a time winning. And so the thing that the Cajuns have to do is slow down the running game. Going to be easier said than done, because I'll tell you, that App State running game ever since they've been in the league has impressed the hell out of me. And um, you're going to have to slow down the running game if you're going to win. If they have success running the football, it could be a long afternoon. Well, and to kind of piggyback off what Jay's saying, I think the formula is the same for us as well. If we allow Louisiana to run the ball the way they did, I think, what, 246 rushing yards, I think, in the first matchup, that opens up Pandora's box because, you know, when Louisiana's backs are running the way they did in that first game, then you open up Levi Lewis to run the ball. And, you know, that just adds in a whole new dynamic that you've got to try and stop. So, and, that was, and the other uh, thing was, you know, Levi came out in the first quarter and had maybe the best first quarter of his entire season. You know, he came out and, and, and you look at, at Levi's numbers, he, he was – what, 15 of 25, 179, a touchdown and a pick. But he came out and really engineered three scoring drives the first three times they had the ball. And once Levi did that, then the Cajuns were going to have success running it, and they did. Well, and he also hit a few home run balls. He did. And, and, and I'll tell you, it – I was on one of the radio stations here this morning. They asked the key to the game. And I mentioned the turnover battle. But the other thing is, don't give up the big play. You know, I think App State had three plays 10 yards or more uh, the last time the two teams played. They had one rush for over 10 yards and a couple of receptions. And their biggest gain of the night was 19 yards. Now, a big play is usually um, – usually the definition is 20 yards or more. So that means there were no big plays out of the App State offense. Um, and App State and the Cajuns are both teams that can hit the big play and then make you pay for allowing it. And that was the, the other thing the Cajuns were able to do. Look, it's not going to be a 41 to 14 game. And, and, and I'll say this, you know, I don't, you know, the broadcasters sign contracts that say, that you will not bet on college football. And I, I've never bet on a college football game in my life. But the under 53 looks really good in this game, I'm telling you. Hey, I had a question specifically about this week. And we know we talked a little bit about it off the air there. Um, obviously, Billy Napier, this will be the last game that he coaches for the Cajuns. He's moving on to the University of Florida. Um, with so many seniors with so much leadership on this team, you know, the issue always comes up, right? Is it going to be a distraction? Is it going to be taking away from preparation? Are our guys going to be locked in? Um, you know, what's kind of been the conversation point this week uh, so far that you've heard? And obviously since the news broke uh, that he is going to Florida. 
Well, it would have been worse if the speculation had continued and no announcement had been made. All right. They, he was able to get with his players on Sunday, tell them what was going on, um, talk to players individually if they wanted to be talked to individually, and then said, when this meeting's over, we're going back to work. And one of the things I like about this Cajun team is I like the leadership um, from, the, from the student athletes. Um, I, I'll say this. I only remember two other leaders that this, uh, that this program's had that's been comparable to Levi Lewis. Uh, one of them played for the Carolina Panthers for quite a few years in Jake DeLone. And the other one is the co-offensive coordinator of the Cajuns now in Mike Desermo. Um, Levi's an, had been an amazing leader. He hasn't been the only one, but he's exerted leadership qualities and it doesn't take him long to get a hold of a locker room. So, um, I, I, you know, I think the fact that it's his last game, I think might galvanize this team even more, you know, because you want to win a conference championship. By the way, the last time the Cajuns won an outright conference championship was in the Gulf States Conference in 1968. Okay. Were you there for that one, Jay? Uh, I was not. As a matter of fact, I was not yet a resident of the state of Louisiana. I was, however, alive. Um, the so I I think that I, I think that that now they go really focused because that not only do they want to win a conference championship, but they want to send Billy out a winner. And um, so I, I don't think distractions are part of this this week. If if the Cajuns lose the game, it's going to be because App State was better on Saturday. Tyler, do we have your audio? Are you up? I hope so. Oh, okay, good. I have a question for you. So, okay. you, you, you know, so throughout this, you know, actually through most of the season, we've heard a lot of talk about, about, um, where Napier's going is if Napier's going and if he goes somewhere, where he's just, meanwhile, Sean Clark just kind of doing his business down in a uh, Boone, uh, winning more games as usual and, and, and running a really as a, a, a ship as tight as any ship you're going to to see in college football why are we seeing this sort of uh national attention with clark as we saw with napier i think clark's you know background as an offensive line coach does not speak flashy higher um and he's not a flashy guy i mean he's just he's very soft-spoken you get the same coach speak out of him pretty much every week uh, he's, he's honestly kind of annoying to listen to a press conference. Um, but you know, he's just not a, a guy that's going to want the national spotlight. And, um, you know, I, I think locally there could potentially be some programs here in the next few years that might, uh, take a look at him. You know, there, there's been the rumors of Duke and, uh, you know, schools like that, but the guy is a mountaineer through and through, and um, it's going to take something absolutely crazy, I think, to to get him out of there. Uh, and he even spoke to it in his, his opening press conference when he was named head coach that uh, they're basically going to have to kick him out of there. Um, so do I am I naive to think that if the right paycheck comes along, he's not going to jump ship? No. But uh, – you know, he, he's just going to keep his, his steadiness going. So, 
hopefully that's for a while to come. I'm, I'm tired of the coaching searches. I'm happy it's somebody else for now. So I had one more question too before we moved on to another question was that I heard that Bryce is, is coming back for another season. If First, if you can confirm that for me, that would be great. And two, what does that mean for the team? I, I, it, it seems like that's a, that, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, so that, you know, that's been a rumor for the last couple of weeks, uh, but actually, the coach actually confirmed it on uh, uh, XM Radio this morning. I forget the name of the show that he was on. Um, but, you know, the, the cupboard was going to be kind of empty at quarterback if uh, Bryce did not come back. Uh, we've got a pretty good recruit coming in and Ryan Berger from Myrtle Beach High School. Uh, we kind of stole him from the chickens, but uh, – um, you know, he, he was going to need a year to sit, uh, in all honesty. So Bryce coming back for us is, is going to be huge. I mean, we open up with North Carolina at home at Texas A&M and at Marshall to start the year. So you need that veteran presence to kind of, you know, be able to run through that when you're losing 28 seniors. So you, you mentioned that, that with Bryce Chase not coming back, that the cupboard was going to be kind of bare. Every conference championship game that's been played, I give you that one, Jay, with the asterisk, um, <laughs> has been Appalachian State versus the Cajuns. Yeah, and that's why I was a little curious when you said we're going to talk to the challenger, and then you talk to Tyler, okay? <laughs> All they do is win conference championships. All they do. But – with that said, though, I mean, it's it's been a consistent matchup year after year after year after year. It makes me think back to the SEC when it used to be Florida and Bama every year, and it just it, it kind of got repetitive, but those were the two hottest teams of the league, just like this is here. But what do you think it is that, that's really helped kind of sustain that fire on both teams, that they can be the, the divisional champs, and hopefully spread a little love and, and get one in South Louisiana for a championship game there? Well, you know, first of all, you know, I, I think right now, after now that the season's over, I can say I think you got about three and a half good football teams in this league. You said so, you uh, that before? I think Georgia State is very, very close. Um, but it is still App State, Coastal, and the Cajuns. And – and with no disrespect intended, because I disrespect them on purpose enough. Um, how good is how good is Coastal without Grayson McCall? I mean, I still think they're good, but I don't think they're better than Georgia State. You know, I mean, they've well, got been playing the nation's worst worst schedule. I, I they they season. but they've like, got literally they've got dead a, last. They got a dynamic quarterback that can cover up a lot of sins and is capable of making chicken salad out of chicken feathers. So, um, so I don't, I don't mean to disrespect the program when I say that I'm, I'm, I'm just asking the question, if they don't have Grayson McCall, how good are they? Well, they didn't have Grayson McCall the last time we went to Conway and we beat them like 48 to six. Um, so I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know if Coastal Carolina is going to sustain the excellence that they've had once this guy is gone 
unless they do some serious recruiting. And they too are losing a bunch of people uh, off this team this year. But look, the rest of this league, you know, Georgia Southern had a bad year this year. You know, Troy was kind of mediocre. Um, Texas State was a little better. South Alabama was better at home. ULM was better at home. Arkansas State had a really tough year the first year under Butch Jones. If you don't want it to be the Cajuns and Mountaineers every year, the rest of this league better get better because I don't think that the Cajuns and Mountaineers are going to get a lot worse. So if you don't want the Cajuns and Mountaineers to be in the championship game, get better. Both That's, of them do come to ULM next year. year. I'm sorry? Both of them do come to ULM next year. So we, we will see if that analysis holds true. Monroe magic. Well, and, and Dusty, one thing I want to add, you know, it's the culture thing is cliche in football. But when you look at App State and Louisiana, those two programs have been the most steady in terms of coaching, I think, uh, and establishing that, that winning culture. Whereas some of the other programs have bounced coaches around like popcorn. Um, you know, even when App State has lost a coach, they've replaced it with a guy with a similar philosophy, similar style of play. And just that continuity, I think, is the biggest reason why we have kept winning. Um, and, and, you know, people in Boone always like to say, well, it's a, it's a player-led culture and a player-led team. And, you know, I think there's a lot to that. And uh, guys keep each other uh, accountable for things. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that doesn't happen at the, you know, the ULMs or the South Alabamas or whatnot, but um, it just seems like it's happened at a higher level lately at App State and, and at Louisiana. Louisiana also, the cupboard was not bare when Billy Napier got here, okay? They had, they had played in five bowl games in seven years. And what do Robert Hunt and Kevin Dotson and Elijah McGuire and Elijah uh, Mitchell um, and Trey Regas, what do all those guys have in common? They were all recruited by Mark Hudspeth. And so there was talent on this roster it needed to be corralled. It needed to have a focus. And it is something that, uh, you know, the, uh, the term that Billy has used since he got here, and you used it a minute ago, the culture. He wanted to develop a culture of doing things the right way, paying attention to detail every single day. The other thing he always stresses is being a good teammate. The Cajun under Billy Napier have had tremendous chemistry because if they've had somebody who was an issue, he didn't stay. And so he's got guys that are all on the same page, but that's part of the culture with the capital UL that they've been stressing since Billy's got there. But doggone it, they had some talent when he walked in the door. Uh, and, you know, and you've got a, you know, a handful of them playing now in the NFL. Uh, my question's for Tyler with the upcoming game coming, uh, with the big championship game coming to all the way. You have to travel all the way down to Louisiana. How big of a crowd do you expect from Appalachia State coming? You know, somebody asked me this today, and, and quite frankly, it's going to be kind of hard to gauge until, 
game day, you know, I, I've not seen a lot of traffic on social media of, of people saying they're going to the game, you know, aside from our usual uh, people down that way that go. Um, you know, the last couple of years when Louisiana has come to Boone, you know, they brought a, you know, a thousand or so. And I think that's probably what we're looking at for us. I mean, you've got families like me that have to decide, is it championship game or is it bowl game? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it makes it hard this time of year. Um, I, you know, I, I lean bowl game cause I have a, a two year old. So if we're in Orlando, <laughs> then I know where I'm going to be. That makes sense. But uh, I have, a, I feel like guys, and maybe I'm just this, maybe I'm just got the Sunbelt halo on right now, but I feel like this game, this championship game, it's better than any bowl game that we could have this season. I really feel like this game with the even this, this, this matchup is, is more appetizing than any Georgia state versus Akron game that we're going to see or whatever we're going to see in, in, in the bowl game uh, universe. No, this so, is a good warm up or good teaser, but there's some projected really good bowl games out there that I know I'd like to see most notably in new Orleans the Cajuns and Marshall, I think, would be fantastic, and probably what we'll have Jay back on in the future to preview that Sunbelt Conference. Why are you ruining my storyline, man? I was pumping up look, this game. I'm, I'm look. I'm with you. Um, oh, thank you. You know, I think that. Oh, by the way, uh, just to put things in perspective, I, I did get a count. Appalachian State was given 500 tickets for the game, not counting the 300 for the player pass list, okay? So they've got 800 to, to sell. And then of course, there's plenty of room in Cajun Field after that, because the place will hold 41,000 if you, if you pack them in. Um, but no, I'm with you. And I think part of that is, Dusty's been to Lafayette multiple times. It's fun in Lafayette on game day when a big crowd is there. And because it's the championship game, I can guarantee you that the university is going to pull out all the stops to make it a show. And so I'm not excited, to be honest with you, about a bowl game against Marshall because Marshall's about to be in our league. Um, we're getting ready to play him on a fairly regular basis. The one game bowl projection that I saw and there was only one that made me say, okay, I'll take that. A little luster came off last week, but I'm, I'm totally okay with a rematch against UTSA. Um, you know, we played them in a bowl last year. It was a one score game. Uh, they were undefeated until last week. So if they beat Western Kentucky on Saturday, then both of these teams are going to be 12 and one. And I think New Orleans would love to have a couple of 12 and one teams uh, at the Caesar Superdome. I think that would be very cool. I'd love to play Marshall if they were staying in Conference USA, but they're not. They're 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 our brothers now. And I, I don't want I don't want to play my brother in a bowl game. Just just to polish up one thing on that question. Um, you know, as a high school teacher, uh, over 60% of our alumni are teachers and uh, we travel well locally. We usually don't travel that well when you got to get on a plane. Um, We're the same way. So you know, it's uh, it's just one of those things where I, I wish we could take 
10,000 people down there and help help fill up Cajun Field because that atmosphere would just be tremendous. Um, but realistically, you couple it with the time of year, I just don't know how many we'll have down there. But I, I fully expect uh, the Cajuns to uphold their end of the bargain this time. And, you know, it's not a Tuesday night. So no. uh, that, that place no. ought to be rocking pretty good. You know, if you go and look at the at the records at Cajun Field as far as attendance are concerned, the biggest attended game that didn't have a boatload of visitors is right at 30,000 in the game against, of all people, FIU several years ago. Um, the other games, you know, 41,000 plus with Southern and 36 with Southern and 33 with Grambling and 35 with, with McNeese and, you know, 38 with Texas A&M and 36 with Alabama. And yes, Alabama did come to Cajun Field. Um, you had four, five, 6,000. And in the case of Southern, maybe 12,000 uh, visiting fans. So if the Cajuns get over 30,000 and App State only brings 1,000 folks or so, that's going to be as big a crowd as they've ever had at Cajun Field as far as locals are concerned. You know, Billy said last night he'd be disappointed if the place wasn't packed. Well, I don't know if it gets packed without help from, from the visiting team. Uh, I will say this, ticket sales are, um, are going very, very well. They, uh, their, their reserve seating is almost gone. Um, and general admission sales have been brisk. So I, I think they've got a chance to crack 30 to 35,000 for this game. Uh, and if so, um, I'll be, I'll be very, very happy. So we know who everyone's going to pick for the game. So I'm going to put a different spin on it. Who is your pick for MVP of the game? Tyler, I'll start with you. Oh, man. Well, uh, I'm going with us winning on a field goal to end it, um, if that was a big shocker to anybody. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think if we're going to win this game, it's going to have to be with us competing on the ground. Um, Cam Peoples has been getting fewer carries than normal. I think saving him up for kind of the stretch run, you know, championship game, bowl game. Um, I think he's going to get a heavy dose of carries come Saturday. Um, the guy's got, I think it's over 15 touchdowns uh, on the year, and he is hard to bring down. So, you know, if App State's going to come out on top, it's going to be because Cam Peoples had a hell of a day. Jay, who's your MVP? I um, First of all, I, I agree with what Tyler just said. I think if App State wins the game – whoever leads them in rushing is going to be the MVP, whether it's Cameron or whether it's Nate Noel. But so I, I agree with that. If the Cajuns win the game, it's going to be on the shoulders of number one. Um, the guy has had an amazing career. He's 32 and five as the starting quarterback the last three years. He has thrown more touchdown passes than anyone in the history of Louisiana football. And all he does is win. And it, sometimes he didn't look very good doing it, but all he does is win. And so I think if the Cajuns win the game, 
Um, I, I think Levi Lewis will be your, your MVP. Looking forward to it. 2.30 on Saturday on ESPN. We, yeah. we are looking forward to watching the culmination of the season. Hoping next year it'll be our teams in there, but not in Lafayette. We want it at our stadium. Jay, Tyler, thank you all so very much for joining us. I uh, can't thank you enough for, for taking time out and look forward to possibly seeing you all on Saturday. Thanks so much for having us. Um, you know, we, we like, we like to talk football. We like to talk Sunbelt and I appreciate the, 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 these casts that you guys are doing because everybody in the league is, is getting highlighted and, and talked about. And honestly, listening to them, I'm learning more about the schools that are in our league, especially those that haven't been in there for a very, very long time. So I, I appreciate what you guys do. Thank you very much. You hear right, that, boys? Welcome. We got one listener. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dusty, for having me on. I, I, you know, kind of like what Jay said, I think we uh, – as a conference, are usually pretty good about building each other up. You know, I've seen some other conferences where it's it's just all hate, no love, and I think I think most of us genuinely like seeing the other Sun Belt schools succeed uh, when they're not playing each other. So, uh, yeah, appreciate what you guys do, and it was a pleasure being on here with you. So, guys, we're at the end of the season. The coaches have given their talks. We've talked with the experts there for their various teams. Now it's now it's our turn. It's just the Fun Belt podcast time. It's just so us. Ben, give us the breakdown of how you see Saturday going for this Sun Belt Conference Championship. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's not a blowout. And I agree with what Jay said. Um, you know, turnovers certainly, you know, uh, you know, make things different. Uh, in that first matchup, there's two fumbles, two interceptions. Uh, the biggest thing that jumped out to me specifically, not even just the turnovers, but a very un-App State-like, uh, they were over on third down. L literally didn't have a third down conversion all night in that game. And um, that's not something we're used to seeing, certainly with a, a solid running game. Um, you know, that Jay and Tyler both hit it, you know, that if, if this team can run the ball, they can be in the game. Um, but, but I like the Cajuns. I really do. I think they have an opportunity to certainly, uh, you know, it, it is a legacy moment for Levi Lewis. Um, and, and to the, that record was just astounding 32 and fives. And all the, all the kid does is, is win. Um, with everything kind of swirling on the outside with all the distractions and Billy Napier, uh, it, it would certainly be, uh, you know, a, a cherry on the Sunday for his career in Lafayette to, to grab that championship specifically at home. And, and as we talked about, uh, there will be a, a pronounced home field advantage for the Cajuns. And uh, I think they will be revved up at Cajun Field. And, and, I, and I like the Cajuns uh, by, by maybe uh, by maybe six, I'll, I'll say. I, I think they, they take care of business there, although App State does make it close. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that home field advantage is pretty good for the Cajuns right now. That's kind of one of the reasons why I asked Tyler if he was going to, they were going to bring some people down to sort of even that out. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, it's kind of funny is that they both, the both teams have distinctive styles. We, we kind of made fun of with Jay about how uh, the Cajuns sort of just, just sort of played just good enough to win the game. They've got all these one score wins and, and they sort of tear your heart out at the end. Uh, Appalachian State has a different kind of style, and that style is they kind of play close for the first half, 
and then suddenly blow you out in the second half. It's like they're taking notes for the first half. In the second half, they apply those notes to execution and just, just whip you. I, I have a feeling that uh, Appalachian State actually learned their lesson in their first game against the Cajuns. I still feel like Appalachian State's a better team than the Cajuns. They just seem to have everything uh, that a team needs to win. And the Cajuns just seem to be roll that dice a little bit too often. They, they just seem to play a little bit close to the vest too much. I'm going to give the edge to Appalachian State this time. I, I, I think they learned their lesson. I think that this is another ho-hum performance by the Raging Cajuns. Like we've seen all season long, but they do just enough to get it won. Is that a one-score touchdown, field goal, maybe a 10-point? I def- definitely do not see it being a blowout. But I think Napier closes out his career in the Sun Belt and at Louisiana Lafayette with the good old dub. First conference championship, as, as Jay Walker pointed out, since 1968 for the school. They did have the shared one back in 2005 that was split. But I think that they're kind of like the other members that, that split that conference uh, championship. It doesn't count if it's shared. We don't share anything. We want it as all ours. Definitely. You know, do you think, Tibbs, that the coaching, not the fiasco, but the brouhaha, the, 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 the circus that's going on, do you think they'll, I mean, Jay said nah, but what do you think? I think for some programs it would be an issue. I think Napier has them so focused that it's, it's another day at the office and, and just going to be another time for the Cajuns to kind of shine and roll and, and show exactly uh, that they are the Sunbelt Conference champions for this year. You know, something that um, I thought that Tyler said that was interesting, uh, uh, Ben Moore, was that uh, Sean Clark isn't is kind of overlooked because he's an offensive line coach and isn't very flashy. Uh, the Georgia State's coached by an offensive line coach that I wouldn't say isn't very flashy. He's actually kind of a flashy guy. He, he gets out there. Why do you think Sean Clark isn't getting that that sort of buzz as some of these other coaches is. I think the biggest. I think the biggest thing ultimately is um, there, there's questions. Probably, I, I'm not an athletic director, as you guys know, and, and don't know what's in AD's brains. But I think ultimately, um, he he didn't inherit you know a program that didn't already have existing out you know expectations. Um, you, you had multiple. Um, you know, crossovers, you had multiple, um, you know, you had Satterfield left for Louisville. Uh, then you had Eli Drinkowitz there for a year. Uh, it wasn't like he, he took a program that was descending. It was certainly, you know, at a certain level and it continued to kind of rock and roll with that. So I, I think that may be part of it. And, but, I, but I think certainly um, there may be an opportunity, certainly there in the state. I mean, Duke, Duke has an opportunity yeah. there uh, to make a phone call. Uh, I don't know how attractive that job is on the landscape. I know Virginia Tech got filled today with Brent Pry. Um, they, they they should look, in my view, uh, somebody that's had success that wants to build a culture there um, because, you know, what is the expectation of Duke? It's probably to make a bowl game, right, in the ACC. Um, it's not going to be competing for championships. This isn't basketball. Um, you know, they, they should take a hard look, I think, at, at, at Sean Clark, but uh, – you know, we'll, we'll see if you can pry him from his alma mater at this point. You, you know, that's good analysis because I didn't think of it that way. When when um, uh, Napier took over for Hudspeth, uh, the Cajuns were kind of a team that was in a in, in a sort of a pickle. They were sort of in the doldrums. 
And then you have uh, Jamie Chadwell, who takes over for a team that's very young and hasn't done much suddenly there on the national stage. So both those coaches get kind of all the looks. And you just have uh, good old Sean Clark kind of doing his job there at Appalachian State, winning titles, winning big football games, and not really getting that buzz that maybe he needs to get. It's all about the name. Speaking of names, the Fun Belt Podcast, we will be shifting from Tuesdays to Sundays, beginning this upcoming week, Jeremy. Why are we doing that? Why exactly, Dusty Thibodeau, are we making this essential change? Please inform our viewers. Because college basketball happens on any given night, and we are picking Sunday as our break in the week to look back. people thought that we were just a football podcast, Oh, they were wrong, Dusty Thibodeau. They were so wrong. Yeah, we have a breakdown of basketball. We're going with baseball. We're doing some softball. South Alabama is in the NCAA regionals this week playing the U. See, we do it all. Sorry, Jeremy, we can't talk bowling, though. That is not a Sunbelt. It's not a Sunbelt. We can't talk uh, beach volleyball either, and that's too damn bad because – both those sports are badass sports, and I wish we could talk about them. And, and great experiences. I highly recommend if you haven't been to a beach volleyball match, make the trip, take the uh, take the time. It is a very fun event. I bet it's awesome. I bet it's just badass. I do have one more goofball question for you guys that regards the Cajuns and Appalachian State. What ended up being the most disappointing loss? Cajuns versus Texas or Appalachian State versus Miami? I think the 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 Cajuns versus Texas, because if that game is even week two, I don't think the Cajuns lose that game. Hmm. Interesting. Ben? Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree, but I think the, the difficult part about it, especially because both teams had expectations to compete in their relative conferences and then just completely fell apart. <laughs> yes. that That's the difficult part about it, right? You, you look at it and you go, all right, I mean, it's the same. It's it's no different too. I mean, I, I was live and in person at Jordan Hare, and you know you're, you're looking at Georgia State nearly knocking off Auburn, getting a controversial call, and saying, "All right, well, that's at least a top twenty-five team." Well, they stumble to six and six, even though they scared the Dickens out of their rival, you know, Alabama this past weekend. So uh, it's it's been a very very wild season. Uh, the traditional powers have been up, they've been down, um, and uh, I think. Two, uh, we may finally see one more week. We will finally have a group of five team in the college football playoff, boys. Ooh, it's getting a little bit closer. All right, so Astrid. we're gonna be we're gonna start focusing. Are we focusing on basketball tips, or are we just transitioning slowly into basketball? There is never anything that's out of bounds on this show. You ought to know that, Jeremy. All right, all right, okay. Well, then I, I will have my notebook open for any topic. We can broach it at any time. Except for bowling and beach volleyball, apparently. You can't do those two things. No. And men's soccer. No. Promos, parting shots, props. What you got, Jeremy? Well, I will be, uh, this week, I will be tabulating all the numbers and crunching all the data to see who won the Sun Belt Sheriff of the Year Award, the first annual Sun Belt Sheriff of the Year Award, which comes with a golden badge to for the uh, athletic director whose football team exhibited the sort of uh, lay down the law 
for the Sun Belt this year. Not necessarily the team that wins the Sun Belt, but for the one that represents the Sun Belt in a way that is admirable and sets the bar. So I'll be looking for that, that uh, this week uh, on Saturday night before the game. It will be announced. Ben, what you got? Uh, yeah, it's uh, first, first uh, official visit weekend of December. Uh, tomorrow is December the 1th. So that means uh, here, here comes uh, two weeks from signing day, uh, the early signing period at least. Uh, also transferring in, transferring out. Uh, the Panthers should be super active in the transfer portal. They're talking to uh, several guys already. Uh, we have the juice there and uh, a, a certain uh, ACC program uh, is shedding many, many, many a player uh, over there on North Avenue, uh, Georgia Tech. And uh, there may be some guys that stick around uh, the city of Atlanta uh, to uh, to hang around the 404 and not uh, be, uh, you know, not, not, not traverse somewhere else. So going to be very interesting covering recruiting. As you guys know, it never, ever, ever stops every single day. There seems to be something uh, you look up and there's a hundred more kids in the transfer portal. So uh, a lot of kids from the Metro Atlanta area that could uh, potentially come back. And we, we've been talking to uh, quite a few that uh, are interested in, in coming back home or staying home in that scenario. So we'll have it all covered pantertalk.com. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we're at. Of course, basketball, uh, you know, they had, uh, they were in the news today with a cancellation due to COVID not something you want to hear in the year of our Lord 2021. Um, but I am making a trip down to, um, Georgia State's um, rival, uh, if you can believe that, the uh, Mercer Bears. Uh, they a few years ago they knocked off uh, Duke in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, the Panthers and Bears have locked up more than any other program. Uh, they've been playing basketball against each other, uh, waging hardcourt war since the 1960s. So uh, it'll be fun to get down there. I believe it's the 100. A ninth matchup between the two. I have to double check my notes, but uh, yeah, they, they've met a lot and uh, should be fun for the Panthers and the Bears. A little uh, interstate battle there for the folks from the uh, uh, down in Macon. Ben, when is early signing day? When is that day? It is December the 15th. So basically, right. what used to be the, the uh, previous junior college signing period. Uh, you had that Wednesday, basically in in uh, in December, and then went and closed that Friday, um, and then basically went kind of a dead period as the uh, the Christmas holiday would would ensue there shortly thereafter. But um, you know, now more than any that I've seen, really in the last three or four years, uh, it's been the primary signing period. You know, gone are the days of of the first Wednesday in February, which used to be kind of a national holiday to those who cover recruiting. Uh, oh, it was a national holiday for me. I loved it. It, and most coaches did. And, and that's what the, the one thing that I've continued to kind of see, too, is is it's almost, uh, you know, pulled away from that signing day, you know, pr whether it's a you know big, huge event, obviously, in February, because the majority of the guys are, are already signed. Um, you know, so many early enrollees, even at the group of five level, and the Sunbelt level, you have guys who are already there in January, kids that are enrolling early. Of course, with the transfer portal, as we continue to talk about and we'll continue to talk about on, on podcasts moving forward with so many guys moving uh, all around. I know Dusty's seen guys at, you know, ULM. I know, Jeremy, you've seen it too at, at A-State. You know, guys uh, on both sides of the ball that, uh, you know, are looking to ply their trade elsewhere. So uh, guys that uh, have opportunity, guys that have film, and some guys that may not fit in uh, in the plans. And, and that's that's kind of what is interesting. I had a conversation with the, with a guy 
um, today, uh, you know, basically was looking at fourth string on the depth chart and he's done with football already has his degree. So, you know, good luck. And I think, you know, a lot of these kids are going to realize they have to go pro in something else other than football uh, if they have their degree already. Absolutely. Just like the rest of us. What do you have to promote? Down on the bayou. Yeah. Warhawks are looking for a new offensive coordinator. Ooh, oh, new director of football operations, yeah. both of which are headed to the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State, soon to be of Conference USA as they look to transition up. Rich Rod making the move over, likely taking his son, Rhett Rod, with him to be a quarterback GA slash assistant. So the Warhawks are, are, are looking for that. And then there's always the rumors of defensive coordinator Zach Alley being a front runner for the South Florida job. So could be looking for new coordinators on both sides of the ball. Just when you think things are kind of turning around on the recruiting front, it's, it's, it's rough going on the Bayou. They only have four confirmed spots for 2022 after they backwards and forwards counted kids from last year. And of course the portal is on fire as people are, are, are trying to get in the, the boat and get off the bayou. A couple of people trying to get on the bayou as well. Warhawks. Is Boogie Knight going. Boogie Knight's staying, right? Boogie Knight is, is a Warhawk for another year. Whew. Thank God. Only because he said he wants to appear on the podcast again. Okay. At least we cemented that for you. Yes. <laughs> Other than that, basketball, two and four over the weekend. Almost had a good win at SMU, but couldn't quite pull it out. Looking for the season sweep of Northwestern State later this week and just rocking and rolling, trying to uh, figure out what's going on with the portal as well as recruiting. All of that on WarhawkReport.com. Yeah, you know what? I've been watching the portal. I've been watching it fill up. And it fills me with a sense of a little bit of excitement because there is some, oh, who can we get from the portal? But also like a little bit of sadness. I just feel like a lot of these kids are just thinking that there's just going to be all this opportunity opening up for them, and it's just not going to be there. No, and and you know I, I think it's one of those you got to be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. Mm-hmm. You know when you might be in Monroe and Lafayette and Jonesboro or whatever, and then you wind up in Monticello. I mean, it's cool to be a bull weevil and all, but uh, yeah. you, you definitely sacrifice being able to go to the Chick-fil-A whenever you wanted to. I will say this. The, the people that, you know, for Arkansas State, it's it's filling up in the portal. But the people who who entered it very early, they've had nothing come their way. And, uh, I, you know, I root for those guys. I want them to find new homes. But at the same time, I feel like if you're in, in the transfer portal, you already have a mark against you. People are looking at you and go, this guy can't stick it out with the team. So, I, you know, I just get, I just, you know, I, I advise anybody who's thinking about getting into the portal, make sure you have some options. Make sure you have some buzz around you before you jump into that portal. And that's just all the, all the advice I got for you. You just talked me out of it, Jeremy. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to join the portal. I dipped my toe in the portal and I lost a toe. So I'm not, I got nine toes and uh, I'm going to have to live that way. So you can only count to 19? Yeah. We're uh, Dustin <laughs> Thibodeau with Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper, Hal Razor, Ben Moore, PantherTalk.com. We appreciate it and we will talk to you again on Sunday. We recap this year's 
season and the Sunbelt Conference Championship game that's happening Saturday, 2.30 at ULL's Cajun Field.